It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. All right, so today's podcast, episode 12, is actually going to be talking about a very specific concept that we get a lot of questions about. It relates to element eight and the fact that in this element, there's a couple clauses in the procedure that refer separately to the concept of competency and the concept of training. We get a lot of questions about, you know, what does it mean and why are they mentioned separately and what's the difference? So in order to tackle that concept, I've brought in a couple of our core consultants here today. We've got Michael Falls and David DeMetto, and I'd like to just introduce you to these guys first. So Mike, if you could let us know who you are. Yeah, good morning. Uh, as Martin said, my name is uh, Mike Foles. I'm with uh, IHSA. I'm one of the uh, core consultants, Health and Safety Management Systems. Hey, and I'm David DeMetto. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I am, as, as well, a Health and Safety Management Consultant um, with the IHSA. Awesome. Thanks, guys. These uh, two gentlemen have the, the same job title as I do. My name's Martin Gamble, and I'm also a core consultant with the IHSA. Um, but unlike these two, I was never a trainer with the IHSA and you guys have been involved in a lot of the training stuff as well. So that's actually why I brought them in today because they have very specific insight into, you know, training and competency and what both of those things mean. So, you know, thanks guys for coming and bringing that extra expertise and as well as your core knowledge into the room today. No problem, no problem. So I figured we could start, uh, the way, you know, a lot of auditing starts with the audit tool. So in the audit tool, there is a definition that we can take a look at. If you go to uh, one of the last tabs that you find in the core 2020 audit tool, there's the definitions. It says definitions on the tab. And when you click on it, anything that's bolded in the tool can be found there. So from there, we can actually find a definition for competency itself. And when we read that, it says specifically that um, this is a person performing a task for or on behalf of the organization is competent to do so by means of appropriate four things. So A, the knowledge of hazards and risks associated with the tasks for the operations and activities. B, demonstrated understanding and working knowledge of the control measures associated with the hazard and risks. C, training with regard to the hazards, risks, and associated control measures. D, aptitude, such as skill set, ability, and willingness to deal with the hazards, risks, and control measures. Notice that there's four things listed here, and that training is one of those things, rather than all four of those things. Guys, do you want to, Mike, do you want to take it away and maybe tell us a little bit more about how you read into that? Yeah, certainly. Like, <clears throat> train. You know, we always talk about this, and we always see uh, different companies just kind of not understanding that you know training itself isn't um, the definition of competency, and kind of like what we have in the tool. Even legislation gives us a definition, right? Knowledge, training, and experience. Right. Uh, some of the requirements for competency. That's awesome. I, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that legislation reflects this as well, and how that comes up a lot. And and when we talk about seeing this with clients. Um, how do we see that sort of manifest in an audit? Well, a lot of times they just, um, they'll just submit training records um, from, you know, a specific company, but not there's no follow-up to it, like it's kind of proof as to, hey, how do they demonstrate their competency? It's fine, you've taken training, but, you know, are you actually competent to, say, you know, work at heights? Um, gotcha. Work in confined, confined spaces. spaces yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so we're just getting a piece of that competency definition from them in their submission. Makes sense. And then this is why if you look at element 8.1 in the audit tool, it actually asks separately for firms to consider competencies and training needs. So if you look at 8.1.2b, competencies for each role are required to be outlined. Whereas if you look at 8.1.2d, we're looking for the training needs analysis. So the competency sort of determination comes first, and then the training needs within those competencies have to be analyzed. So competency is really that overarching idea of an umbrella, the box that training fits in, but is only a part of. And we often see the idea of competency already represented, and we're comfortable with it, when we're talking about job descriptions or job posting in the hiring process. I often think about the fact that like, if I'm thinking about which is easier, competency or training to prove, to achieve, um, guys, what do you think? Yeah, uh, trainings. Yeah, training's always <laughs> easiest. Right? Yeah. Here, show, here, show me a card. Right? Yeah. Show me a card. Yeah. And that, I think that's, that's one of the things most companies just like the fact that they can produce this card quickly and there's not really too much more involved with them. When there's competency, they have to do a lot more things to prove. That's right. Yeah. And you see guys will have like a wallet full of, full of cards. You know, and then they've, they've been trained in everything under the under the sun, but mm-hmm. are they competent? Yeah. And, that's, and it's going to be, you know, we'll talk more about that, but it's the actions that you see later on yeah. will determine. And I guess, why do we even care? Are they competent? They've got training. Yeah. <laughs> we always talked about this with um, with some of the training, especially with working at heights. You know, that, 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 that card is not going to stop you from hitting the ground. No. Right. Right, yeah. so... And, and in terms of competency versus training, if, um, you know, if you ever got into a legal situation, are they going to ask, what are they going to ask for? Well, the first thing they're going to ask for is a card, yeah. right? That's the first, very first thing that they ask for. Show me that they've been trained. Yeah. Okay. Now then they're going to ask you to prove the competency. Yeah, yeah. Show us, you know, what did they get trained on? Yeah. Right. And that's, um, you know, could be equipment and so forth that we're talking about, um, rescue procedures, so it never stops with the card. It, it just doesn't. starts with the card. It just yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it starts with, starts with the card, starts with the training, and then everything else has to be proved after that. And I think that's really critical to the, the reasoning for both of these concepts to be represented this way in, in the Core 2020 audit tool is to really get firms developing both concepts and making sure that they, they know how to answer the question, you know, what's the training, as well as how do you show this competency for this role? And, and uh, that's what I like about how this is laid out in the tool. Now, we've mentioned working at Heights a couple times. I know both of you have taught this course, which is excellent, um, which is awesome. These are some of my go-to um, uh, subject matter experts here, guys, that I go to when I have working at Heights questions. So um, it's nice to have them in the room. Um, in that context, when you teach working at Heights, and you're giving someone that certificate potentially at the end of the day, and, and you've met the requirements, you know, of, of what that, that official course needs to be. Uh, are they competent when they leave the room? No. No. <laughs> no. no Again, just part of it. Yeah. You know, and I know I, I used to start all my training with um, after you leave here is where things really start to take place, right? Your company has to make sure that you're, you're getting additional training on what they want you to do. Okay, so for anyone listening who's sweating now and is wondering, what, do, what, do, what does that mean? What do I have to give them? What are the kinds of things the company should be looking at to give them after they, they get the sort of third-party approved course? Well, I mean, one of the first things is they got to make sure that the, the companies recognize that, you know, as part of the training or a supplement to training is 
what are our specific policies, procedures, things like that? Like, how are we going to expect these workers to, to work at height? You know, bringing into play things like the hierarchy of controls, you know, how are we going to ensure that we're getting that, that highest level of protection for our workers and, and that they understand that, you know, it's not just uh, put on a harness. We have to go through that whole hierarchy of controls, you know, and make sure that we've uh, identified what's the best method based on the work that we do as a company. For sure. That's awesome. So in order uh, to address that, what are some of the specific things, pieces of that that they might put into a program? Uh, well, the equipment themselves. The equipment. Like what, what equipment are they using? There's dozens of working at height systems or manufacturers out there, manufacturers of systems out there. Um, which one are you being trained on? Yeah. You know, when you come to IHSA for training, we have a certain brand that we happen to use. Um, is that the one that they're going to be using when they get out onto sites? And the answer is, in most cases, probably not. Right. And, and shouldn't the training teach them how to use any of them? Uh, the training is, is, is generic, right? It is. It's, it's about um, the system itself, like working at heights, um, but not the specific manufacturer because it's like driving a car. You know, if you drive a Ford or you drive a GM or you drive a Ferrari, they're going to have requirements for that, uh, that car on what they want you to do and how they want you to maintain it, how they want you to use it. Okay. That's a, that's a very good point, this, the manufacturer's instructions and the fact that, you know, manufacturer's instructions become part of your legal requirement. Sure. So, you know, it's it's just as valid as anything that would be written in the general program. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, when it comes to putting on a, on a harness, you, you put them on the same way, but how do you adjust it? How do you um, make sure where the D-ring is and so forth for each, each piece of equipment? Awesome. Thank you for that. So based on what we've talked about so far, I was hoping that we could kind of go through another example and hopefully one that a lot of the people listening to this podcast could can uh, be familiar with. So I thought, what if we looked at the example of if we were writing a job description or a role description for an, a core internal auditor as an example here? And if we were writing that sort of job description for a core internal auditor, what are the kinds of competencies, not training now, but actually competencies that we'd be looking for in terms of an internal auditor? Just a brainstorm here together. You want to be able to gather uh, and analyze information, could be data, different stats that you're going to be looking at. Um, it's going to be based on the operations that are being performed by the company. Okay. Um, someone who could is, is able to go out into the field and perform observations, uh, understand what they're, they're observing and collect the records is probably important. Yeah, and, you know, being able to uh, focus on the health and safety management system itself. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to, uh, and, and it can be difficult when you're looking at what's going on where production and quality come into play. And, sure. uh, and, and that, takes, that takes precedence over what we should be looking at, and that's is the health and safety management system functioning. True. That is an extra challenge and, and, right. and something to look at. Um, the ability for, for the necessary communication strategies that are going to be in place for, for undergoing the project that is core would be another competency. Yeah, for sure. Make sure that um, that the, the you know, people at the projects are, are informed, what the expectations are, um, what's going to happen when we get there. Just kind of, you know, sort of like break the ice so that you can ease the tension of, of those people that you're going to, you know, observe, maybe interview, things like that. Okay, that one really is like... I like it. Let's talk about that one a little bit more. Um, so if we didn't have the competency to break the ice and ease the tension, do you guys know what that would result in? Like, let's yeah. talk about that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, workers, you know, they see people watching them and, 
you know, why are you watching me? What am I doing wrong? Um, people start to get a little nervous. Maybe a clipboard, yeah, camera. Yeah, camera. Yeah, like, <laughs> what, you know, what's happening? What did I do wrong? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you you know, you want also want to make sure that you're not disrupting the uh, the work process. You know, there's, you know, uh, a hoisting going, rigging going on, and, you know, there's a big load coming in or they're dropping a load. You're not going to all of a sudden stop them and, you know, take a picture of that load while it's up in the air and get underneath it and so forth. Right. So there's a, there's a serious competency aspect there in terms of knowing how to... Um, communicate and and prepare people for the process. You'll never get rid of all nerves. No, it, no. It's you know a, a natural part of the process, I think. But sort of that unnecessary level yeah, of yeah, I don't want to be adding to it. Right? Yeah, like exactly. Just the in- increasing that nervousness is is going to open the door for you know some negative things to happen, right? Yeah. So even if it isn't like Dave was saying, you know, a high risk activity happening, even those you know lower risk activities, uh, when those people are on edge, they start to tense, they start to, you know, forget about what they're doing and focusing on what you're doing and, and you know, mm-hmm. could lead to, you know, potential issues. Right. They're going to deviate from the system more than they ever would. So um, it's it's funny, it actually brings up a memory from when I was an internal audit and, and my audit was being conducted. And there was one of the interviews happening. It was one of our most seasoned employees who who had been on this site for a long time. And he's being interviewed and the, the interviewer, uh, asked him if if there were dust masks available on on the job site and where you could find and just i don't know i don't know shut down um then someone knocked on the door about 15 minutes later um and and just poked their head in and said oh man i i just i need a mask do you have any and the, the same worker said oh yeah just over there in that bottom drawer <laughs> you know he knew where it was but the tension of the situation um had him shut down so you know, it definitely has an impact. I think that's 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 a great one. Anyway, I like that we got to talk about that one a bit. But um, what we can also note with what we've said so far is none of these come with a card. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have a card that says I'm able to, you know, diffuse tense um, mental and emotional responses to an audit, right? I, I'd love that card if we could get it, but it's... <laughs> it's just you know not yet even communication right like yeah. communication is not something that you can really train to it's something you have to learn and develop mm-hmm. over time and there are courses and programs that can can contribute to developing you know strengths in these areas but they don't in themselves create it and so i think these these are great examples of of what it means to be competent versus trained for sure to take it the extra step then um for the case of our internal auditor why don't we actually look at the flip side the training. If we were making a job description for an internal auditor, what what do we want for training beyond the competencies or within the competencies? Well, there's the 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 four programs that you have to take to be to be the internal auditor at, at IHSA. Right? Okay. We have the core essentials, um, basics of auditing principle, um, intro to hazard intro to intro risk. Risk, manage, risk management, and uh, core internal core auditor. internal auditor. Yeah. Right? And, and 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 those should you know be taken. Uh, in a specific order, like when you're when you're looking at them, sure. I think right. It's just if, if you're if you're jumping back and forth, and I know it's not always possible at IHSA to take them all in in order, but it'd be nice to be able to uh, to do that because mm-hmm. they they feed on each other. Yeah, absolutely, and and we have them in both formats now too, online and in class, yeah, um, sure. depending on depending on your needs um, for that as well. Yeah, it makes it uh, easy for people to be able to to, to get them right. And I, I'm going to ask a classic question here. Uh, I'll throw it over to Mike this time. I'm just going to put Mike on the spot. If I take the four courses online in class, I've taken the four courses. I've got my training cards. When I leave, am I a competent auditor? <laughs> 
yeah, you know, just like everything else, it, it, you know, there's a few other things you still got to do. I mean, you have the basics for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you have to, to learn the process. Um, other things that would help, you know, I mean, there's there's lots of items like, you know, the ISO programs, um, you know, lead auditor training, things like that. Again, those are, again, training programs, but they help you to understand the whole process itself, not just, hey, great, I got a couple of cards. They also walk you through the process, what it would be like to actually um, work yourself through an audit. True. And and I'd say that, you know, the, the four courses are what we've looked at and said, this is the mandatory minimum training that you would need. That was our training needs analysis and said, this is your mandatory minimum. You can always go beyond that. A company can always go beyond that and say, for us, we expect more. Um, and, and recognize that, you know, we talked about four components in the definition in the audit tool and training was only one. So, you know, when you leave, you also still need the knowledge of hazards. You need demonstrated understanding of your environment. You need aptitudes within that environment. So these really are your training needs, but those competencies were much more conceptual skills-based ideas. Yeah, and for sure. And, you know, knowing what the company does. You know, you're going to have someone that doesn't have experience on what's going on uh, within a project, if it's if it's a construction company, um, or within the actual work that the, if it's a specific company, it could be in the drywall industry or the sewer and water main industry. You know, you you want to be able to see um, or know what what you're seeing out there. Absolutely, yeah, and and that, I think that's a really critical point as well. We do see that, um, you know, there there can be a lot of. Um, new auditors joining companies right when they kind of need core and that can be one of the challenges and then on the flip side of that we we see people who've been with a company for a long time so they actually know the company really well but they don't know auditing so now they're being tasked with a new role so um either way i think there's challenges to address and um actually thinking about that person who's joining uh the auditing process but it knows the company as someone who kind of went through that route i guess i'd be curious um from you guys, are there any courses, you know, from the IHSA that we have that can also support a new safety person, a new auditor, someone who's never done it? Yeah, there's, there's, IHSA offers tons of courses, all the whole NCSO designation, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of courses that have to go along with that. What's NCSO? Uh, the National Construction Safety Officer. Oh, okay. Right, so that's kind of a, you know, it's a combination of programs uh, to be able to get your NCSO designation. You know, there's an exam that has to be written, hmm. um, but it includes uh, multiple programs within, within IHSA, uh, which could include WIMIS, um, Basics of Supervising, which is probably uh, our most popular program. Uh, gives the supervisors, but not only the supervisors, could be an internal auditor, the basis of uh, of what they should be looking for when they're going out onto projects and so forth. Responsibility spelled out uh, towards the supervisor and the the company itself. Yeah, and joint health and safety committee stuff, right? Like your your the expectation is as an auditor, you're going to have to answer questions about this. So hey, why not try and get an understanding of how that process should work? How should a committee work? Things like that. So there's a number of other like industry specific ones. We won't go too much detail, but I mean like things like working at heights, uh, stuff like that. I mean it's still part of um, the process. You know, we talk about hazard assessments, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. If you have an understanding of those specific tasks as well, it just helps you. Um, identify as you're going through the process, whether the process is being followed and, and if the process is being followed the way it should be. Sure. Good good sort of diving platforms, jumping off points for building your competency, right? You do need to kind of know what you don't know before you can work on on expanding that competency. So I think that's 
that's really great to to know from you guys there. Um, and then if someone, you talked about industry specific, and obviously we can't touch on every industry here today, but if I just want to mention that if someone is curious about their industry and, and what's available, you can always reach out to the IHSA, call our customer service line, and they'll make sure you're in contact with someone who can, who can go through um, your training needs with you and, and, and determine what you're looking for. Yeah, even even the website has yeah. you know a lot of information yeah. that you can just maybe you don't know exactly what you're looking for, but you can kind of just get a feel for what's there. And then again, like you said, if if you're not sure, give us a call and we'll set somebody up with uh, with somebody that will give them that best information. And I guess I got to ask kind of the question: Can can I train with someone who's not IHSA and still get core? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, there's you know. I, I always recommend coming to IHSA. You know, we've got we've got industry professionals uh, throughout the province. Like, you know, we'll be able to help you all the way uh, from Kenora all the way to the uh, to the Ottawa Valley, right? We've got people everywhere Down in between. Windsor. Two Down times to Windsor. Two times over. We do have people that are, are there to help you, um, so you're not stuck uh, having to come into uh, into the GTA if you if you didn't have to, right? We have people that will come to you. Right. Absolutely. Thank you for that uh, feedback as well. So, I mean, I think today. We've really covered the ideas, competency and training reasonably well. Uh, you know, if anyone else has additional questions, they can always reach out to us at core at ihsa.ca. But we've also covered how they really are related to one another, how training is a piece of competency. You don't, you don't really get competency without training, but that the concepts are distinct in terms of how they can be represented in your system and using training as a, as a piece of building your competency argument, but not forgetting to consider the competency as well, the, the context of the training in your organization and how it's applied um, in your system and built that. And that's really one of the big focuses of Core 2020 is expanding beyond, um, you know, those, those um, fundamental building blocks and putting them together into something that's systematic and, and really a much stronger due diligence system for your organization in the legal sense. Um, you guys have been great guests and I appreciate you sharing all your training knowledge as well. Um, just as a quick sort of lead out here, I've been kind of putting everybody on the spot. Uh, do you have a quick one or two words, maybe a quick sentence that uh, you think highlights the key points here? Yeah, I mean, if we if we just go back to the beginning when we, we started out, just, you know, training is just one part of competency, right? Having that card doesn't suffice. You have to build on it and add to it. Yeah, I mean, the same thing, you know, like I said before, uh, that working at Heights card is not going to stop you from hitting the ground, right? right? And um, just those four courses you take to become an auditor is not going to be enough to become a good auditor. It's all of you always want to, you know, try to improve on your skill set, right? And we're within IHSA, they, they, uh, they ask us to, uh, or they, they encourage us to, uh, to keep your skill levels up, right? And continue to, to take courses and so forth, um, to keep us going, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're stuck on that, call us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. For sure. All right. Thanks guys for coming. This has been fun. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.